All right, Dave, I got a great question for you. Are you ready? Uh, I'll be the judge if it's great, but uh, oh, take, bring it on. Okay. Well, today, the uh, not to date this podcast, the all-star starters were announced in the NBA. Jason Tatum among the five all-star starters uh, in the Eastern Conference with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, and Damian Lillard. Dave, if you had to pick one Celtic to be a reserve, you can only pick one, who do you think is the most deserving? Uh, of the starters, I would say, I mean, who's had the biggest impact? I, it's hard to argue between Porzingis and Tatum. I think they both have been up there. Well, I'm saying, out, out, there, I'm saying outside of Tatum. Say one, you get one reserve spot for a Celtic. Who do you give it to? I, I still would give it to Jalen. Okay. I still think he's played really, really well. Um, he's been consistent, giving them offense. He still has issues with certain things, but Drew hasn't done enough to earn a spot. He's been really good, but he's just taken a back seat. Um, I think the only one you could consider, Porzingis has missed too many games. I think the only one you can consider is Derek White. And as much as I love Derek White, I think Jalen has like a slight edge over him. Mr. Brandon Maxwell, what do you think? Um, yeah, I don't like it's hard to even entertain anyone other than Jalen, despite the fact that all these guys have been so good, but Jalen's playing the best basketball of his career, you know, about to be a three time all star. Because it's guaranteed he'll be there. You know, he's playing, you know, excellent in terms of just playmaking, his assists, also the defense, which is finally getting highlights. Um, you know, at the beginning of his career, he was known more for his defense than his offense past few years it kind of shifted a little bit and his defense was all right but it wasn't you know top of the line and now he's back to that point um so yeah he absolutely deserves that spot 100 percent way i would love to see him crack the all-star lineup as well i do think that there's a possibility i'll say there's like a 20 percent chance because i think that like the coaches will put a lot of value into what he brings to a team but there are a lot of guards that are in that mix as well the thing that would most mainly benefit him in that regard is like injuries because Donovan Mitchell's missed a lot of time, for example. Halliburton's missed, no, not Halliburton. I mean, he's missed a lot of time too, but um, not Halliburton. Who was I thinking of? I can't remember right uh, now. Jimmy Butler's Butler. missed a lot of time. He might make it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Butler. Um, but Butler. then we also have guys who are in the mix like Maxi and Brunson who right. are guaranteed to make the roster as well. Honestly, so, I think I think Maxi or Brunson should have been a starter over Damian Lillard. I think Maxi absolutely should have been yeah, a starter. I agree. I think if we're keeping it a buck here, as like as the kids say, uh, I think that yeah, I think either of those guys over over Dame. No disrespect to Dame, he's had a great year, but I think Maxi has been just completely. You know, I think he's ascended to a new level, and Brunson has been just incredible. The the real str- straw that stirs the drink for the Knicks. Um, but uh, I think it was the fan vote that cost Brunson. I'm not sure about Maxi in terms of where he ended up, but um. I agree with you guys. I think Jalen Brown would probably be my pick. Um, if I was to pick a reserve Celtic, I do think there's a good chance they get two other two guys in the reserves. Um, whether that's D. White or Kristaps, I would lean Kristaps Porzingis just because I think he's had a more outsized impact on the team and, and just the way he completely alters their their gameplay on the floor. It, it's it's just sensational to watch. I mean, just uh, the the Heat game tonight again, not to date the show, but. It just go. It's it, I. I'm at a loss for words. You know when when they're when they're humming when they're at their 
you know, their apex of play, uh, this, this team is pretty much unstoppable. Um, so I would say probably Jalen Brown, two, Chris Stops, three, Derek White, four. I mean, I, I love Drew Holiday, don't get me wrong. I don't think he has any legitimate consideration to be an all-star. I'm not, I'm not sure where his name uh, came from in the discussions, but he's, you know, taking a backseat, like you said, Dave. So, um, but hey, a worthwhile backseat. I think for most of all-star voting, um, Holiday was eighth, I'm mm. pretty sure. I think White was like around six, and then Jalen was right behind Jimmy Butler, and then Tatum was Tatum was second overall in the East. Oh, he did. Right. He did end up crossing Joel Embiid. Yeah. Oh, wow. he was only about to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Bucks fans really showed out. I give him a lot of credit because um, that fan vote was huge, integral in getting uh, Damian Lillard. I mean, he's also got Greece and Nigeria, where he's got votes right. coming in from from all over as well. That's true. Like Shaq was even talking about on the post game before the start of the Kings Grizzlies game tonight in, inside the NBA, because um, they were debating like whether it should be just fan voting or how it is now. And Shaq was like, when I was going up, like Yao Ming was getting a hundred million votes. Like I wasn't out here complaining or anything. Cause he wanted to go back to the old way. Right. I want his old head. I mean, old, old to, head. To, to be fair to Shaq, um, <laughs> yeah, he, he was like a certified hall of famer by the time he was like 28. So I'm not sure if he's the re- really the guy to have a gripe about any of this, but, um, no, I, I get what he means. I do get what he means. Um, but anyway, that's our that's our All Star talk. I'm sure we'll do a little bit more of it when uh, when the All Star game rolls around, which is what like middle of February, first week of February. When is that usually? Uh, I think it's second week, right? Second week. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, do you guys think the Celtics get any of the any players in the skills competitions? I mean, dunk contest. Obviously, Hauser, there's a lot of talk about Hauser being in the three point contest. I mean, he really should be, even though I mean, like. He's not like a big name, but like it's the three point contest. Like, who cares? Like, put him in there. Why not? I I love watching three point contests. It, it's, I'm not I'm 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 not saying it's not fun to watch. I'm just saying it's not like, ooh, we need every we need nothing but big names in it. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> so like, have the best three point shooters. That's the whole point of the contest. I mean, yeah, I think there's a he makes it. Um, and all stars six the February sixteenth through eighteenth. Okay. So middle of the month. Yeah. I mean, I think skills challenge, I mean, I guess if we're talking old Celtics here, I mean, Pritchard, this guy who's kind of like that. Um, Did Tatum do it one year? Am I missing? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Won. I think he won it, right. I was. I didn't know if I was uh, forgetting about that or was creating that in my brain, but I thought so. I, mean, I don't even know all the stuff that they have anymore because they keep switching it all the time now. What happened to the like, game so- I love? Yeah, like the skills challenge isn't even the same anymore, um, which was like annoying because that's not what the issue was. Like the issue was the dunk contest, like that's that's really and the game itself. But like the three point contest, the skills challenge, like those were two things that didn't really have an issue. I mean, the celebrity game is boring as hell too. Half the time, I mean, for real, like seventy, not seventy, but like a good 60 percent of the people, like I really don't even know anymore. Because they'll be getting, like, hella TikTok stars and, like, they got, like, Peloton coaches and, and whatnot. Like, no disrespect to them, but, like, I just don't know who they are. Have they? I'm trying to look it up now. Has anybody other than, like, maybe Mac McClung been actually confirmed for the dunk contest? I don't think so. 
Um, the only thing I've seen cool. is him getting an invite, and beyond that, I've seen nothing else. I'm pretty sure there was, I can't remember who, but there was someone who, was it Jaime Hawkes? I think they're saying he might be in it. I'm not sure if he will just because he's coming off an injury. By the time he, by, by, I mean, it is like a month away, so maybe he's healthy by then, but I'm not sure if he'll risk it coming off an injury. Yeah, that's a good point. But, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's, I don't know how it could get possibly, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's been tough to watch the past few years. I mean, they've had some highlights. Mac McClung winning it was, was great, obviously, but, you know, th- this is the contest that used to have Hall of Famers taking part in it. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just changed so much over the years. I mean, they. I mean, Aaron Gordon last year saying, you know, make me an All Star and I'll do it. Like that's the point we've reached. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's just. I think so many people are are embarrassed of if it doesn't go right. I think that's the same thing. Not that it matters at all, but with the celebrity game, that's why I don't know any of them anymore. Because, like, I remember there was like Quavo and Justin Bieber and like people like that who used to do it. And like I said, now it's like people have no idea who they are. But with the All-Star game, it's, uh, I mean, with the dunk contest, uh, yeah, I think it's just players not wanting to embarrass themselves. And also, I mean, think about how many dunks we've seen now. And, I mean, you're not really going to see someone doing, like, a quadruple backflip or something like that. You know, one's going to risk their life and their career for right. the dunk contest. So, like, there, there's limits to how far, like, players will go. I mean, Paul Pierce has always said they should have, like, street ballers come do it. Hey, like, at this point, why why not, right? Like, yeah, yeah, but something yeah, something different would be nice. Um, but today we're doing a little a uh, little debate club action. Been a while since our last debate club, uh, like a long while, maybe a few months. Um, but the way this works is there's a list of questions that I devised from my insane brain, and uh, I spin a wheel with our our names on it. So either I uh, Dave and I, or Brandon and I, or Brandon and Dave, will debate the topic, and uh, the person who listens to their case will pick the winner. It's pretty low stakes, but also it's very high stakes. You know, it, it gets it gets a little chippy out there. You never, never, never know. Anyway, so let's uh, so I'll, I'll spin the wheel of numbers and spin the wheel of people here. See what we're doing first here. All right, our first matchup. We got ooh, this is a good one. We got Brandon and Dave going head to head. On question number 22, which on this list is, what future would you rather have, the San Antonio Spurs or the Houston Rockets? There's actually a good question. You want to go first, Brandon? Wow, Brandon, this is actually a good question. Whoo, flaming me out the gate. I don't know, not at all. I'm saying this is like uh, I'm I'm messing with you. Like this, this is this is a, a really good question. So, Dave, you're taking who? Uh, so, wait, do, do you decide who we take or do? Oh, we... that's right. I forgot that was one of the tenets of this. So, uh, Dave, you will take San Antonio. Brandon, you'll take Houston. That's fine. Um, I can go first. First of all, um, although he's a hound dog, you got a, a good coach in Ime Udoka, a guy who's gonna have a hard nosed team out there <laughs> on the court. Um. As long as he can, you know, avoid, you know, just anything out of pocket, they should be all right. Um, they're a lot, really improved in a lot of areas very quickly. They've got some good leadership players in Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. Brooks got a really bad rap last year, got blamed for all of the issues with the Grizzlies. Granted, he was a big part of it, but he's the type of player that a team like the Rockets do need because he provides a lot of toughness to a team that's 
you know, really young, got a lot of players who were kind of soft before they started making these changes. Um, got a lot of promise with guys like Smith and Green, even though Green's, you know, <laughs> not been great as of late. Um, still a guy who can turn it around. He's like, what, 22 years old or so. Um, and then Sangoon, the, the prize pick of it all. People forget he actually was the pick that was a part of the Al Horford trade that got Kemba out of Boston and Al Horford back here. It was Kemba and a pick, which ended up being Sangoon for the Rockets um, in another trade that the Thunder made. So ended up working out for, you know, I would say all parties involved. And as far as picks go, they have, uh, I think they have a good haul of picks. I mean, for the, from James Harden, first of all, they got a few firsts from Philly. No, not Philly, from uh, Brooklyn, excuse me. Um, and Brooklyn's really bad right now. Or they're on pace to be really bad, I should say. Um, and the lottery rules obviously changed. So there's a pretty good percentage that over the next few years, you're going to be getting some really good picks from the Nets because they kind of fleece them just like the Celtics did uh, 15 or so years ago. And... Yeah, I think that's a pretty good case for the Rockets. All right, Dave, the case for the Rockets has been made. Your case for the San Antonio Spurs. First off, I don't like Brandon saying that he thinks it's a good case. I think we'll decide if it's a good case. Uh, uh, Hold on, hold on. I'm going to argue the pronoun of we'll decide if it's a good case. I will decide. I'm, I'm if it's part a good of the case. jury here. Oh, yeah, you got oh. a bias. Yeah, I'm sure you're not. Family. You're not. You're not part of the jury. I'll dispel that notion right now. I'm, so I'm unbiased. Dave's also wait, wasted 20 seconds of his argument on slandering his opponents. So great start. <laughs> yeah, that's, I uh... don't know. There's a time limit. Uh-huh. Um, there's no time limit. By, by the time that approach. by the time Brandon was this part through, he was already laying out his case, and now you're just taking shots. I thought you were better than that. Well, you know. You're, you're just going to give me you know, a nickname. I'm, I'm not better. I'm not. <laughs> uh, uh, I think the case for the Spurs is pretty obvious. They have a generational phenom that's 19 years old playing for them. I thought Can't Jeremy Sohan was 21. It's a good point. He is, I guess. He just turned 21, maybe. Um no, actually, he's 20, so joke's on you. Uh, but they have, obviously, Victor Wimbanyama. That's probably one of the biggest basketball sensations to come out from the draft since probably LeBron, I would say. Um, but then you have Sohan, and you have Devin Vassell, Kelvin Johnson. Those are all really, really solid young players. Charles, Charles Bassey isn't bad as a backup. Those are all good guys to have. You can build a solid team around that. But they also have a lot of picks coming up. They have Toronto's pick this year. They have Charlotte's pick this year. They have Chicago's pick next year. They have Atlanta's pick in 2025. They can swap with Atlanta in 26. Um, They have Atlanta's pick in 27. And they can swap with the Celtics in 28. Not that that does anything. but And they have a bunch of extra seconds coming up. So, uh they have a ton of extra picks come up, including their own, obviously, that they haven't traded any of their own. So when you look at it, they have the ability to add through the draft. They can add through cap space. They can make trades. And I think the best part about it all is they can they have some young talent that they can either move or keep, but they can set their timeline based on when Benyama now with the draft picks they have, 
you know, when you get to 27, maybe you trade those for a younger star because Wimbanyama will be two more years in the league. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of you can kind of slow roll it and play it with the timeline of Wimbanyama. And they have some excellent young players. Like Devin Vassell is not like a 1A star, but he's like maybe like a 3. He's a really good player. He can average 20 points a game, and he's a really good shooter. Kelvin Johnson's a good player. Sohan's a really good passer, kind of a glue guy. So I think that's a really, really good start. Popovich probably isn't going to be there for to see this through, but um, I think you have to trust the draft record of the Spurs overall to kind of mine and develop these young guys. Dave, that is a very well-thought-out, lucid observation. Overruled. <laughs> oh, mine is better. Nah, I'm going with Brandon. I, I like the Rockets' future a little bit better. I think that they have the pieces a little more in place for the future, and I think the Spurs have kind of just been really bad the past five years. And the Rockets were really bad like two years ago, and now they're like a fringe playing team. So, I don't know. I kind of like that future a little bit better. But, anyway. The next matchup will feature... Ooh, the suspense. Ooh. Dave might get his revenge. It's me and Dave going in on the question. I was... I was about to say if it was Jake and Brandon, I'm already picking Brandon. <laughs> well, you can tell that I wrote these questions a while ago because I'm taking this one off the board. <laughs> sign Williams, sign Grant Williams long term or send him packing. <laughs> oh That's a good question. Whoops. Jake, I'll take, the, I'll take this one. I'm going to send him packing. One oh. proposal. I think we should put a cap on like if someone gets picked three times in a row. Oh, yeah. Well, the yeah. most that they can get. All right. This is good though. All right. The real question between me and Dave the better Patriot all time, Adam Vinatieri or Matthew Slater? Oof. Um, Dave, uh, I'm sorry, Brand, you get to pick who gets what. Do any of you have a burning desire either way? I'll be Dave either way. (laughs) How about you, Dave? What are you feeling? Uh, I'm fine either way. Jake is arguing Vinatieri. Okay. And Dave is arguing Slater. Dave, please. Well, I think the case is pretty simple that Matthew Slater is the greatest special teams player in history. And his ability to become one of the best leaders for the Patriots. If you ever watch the locker room videos, he's been breaking down the Patriots after big wins for like the last 12 years. Uh, he came in the NFL. No one really knew what position he was going to play. Belichick even told him that on the phone. We think you're a good football player. We don't know where you're going to play. We'll see how it goes. And he became a guy that Belichick refers to as the person who's done more for special teams in the NFL than any player in history. And that's coming from the best coach of all time. So uh, I think for a, a team that has always, up until like the last two years, three years, has always had one of the best special teams units, covering kicks, returning kicks, um, covering punts, returning punts, onside kick attempts, they've always had one of the better units. And anytime you ask a coach for like the last 20 years, well, like 12 actually, because Slater hasn't been in the NFL for 20 years, but last 12 or so years, they always say that Slater is like one of the one of the guys that you would take on your team no matter what. He fits in everywhere. He is just an all-around amazing player. He's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame as a special teams only player, which is incredibly rare. And I think just combined with that leadership, 
makes him one of the best Patriots ever? <clears throat> That's a wonderful question. A wonderful response, rather, Dave. Love Matthew Slater. All due respect to him. Adam Veritary, I think, is the clear choice here. I mean, as great as Slater was, there's a lack of impact plays that you remember him for. I mean, I love Slater. There's probably one. I mean, that blocked punt return that he had for his first ever touchdown, that was awesome. And I have nothing but great things. I'm not going to slander Matthew Slater. There's no way I'm going to do that. I mean, he had there was a lot of great times that he had, a lot of Super Bowls won. But, I mean, the Patriots... You're already slandering him right now. The, but I'm, I just need to say, the Patriots are not the Patriots of today without Adam Vinatieri. I mean, he made the one, two, three, maybe four most clutch plays of those those dynasty, the early dynasty days, the first dynasty, uh, between the Snowball and winning the two, the first two Super Bowls, and they won the third Super Bowl against the Eagles by a field goal. So it wasn't as time expired like the other two, but that was an equally integral kick to them winning that Super Bowl. And he's going to go to the Hall of Fame just like Matthew Slater is. So it may be splitting hairs, but I think at the end of the day, Adam Vinatieri is the reason the Patriots are what they are now. There's a reason that pedigree is established. And Tom Brady, obviously, Bill Belichick, obviously. But after those two, you can make a real argument that Adam Vinatieri is up there as one of the three or four most important Patriots of that first dynasty. Because if he doesn't make those kicks, we're not talking about them like we are today. So in terms of legacy, in terms of importance, in terms of clutch ability, as much as I love Matthew Slater, I think that Adam Vinatieri clears in, in those categories. And that's why I think he's probably the more important Patriot of the two. Those are two very compelling arguments. Honestly, the thing that swayed me, like I was, it was a toss up for me. Um, the thing that swayed me though, Jake, you, you put it really well that you said, um, it is possible that you can say, I don't believe it, believe that it's the case, but it is, you can make an argument that Vinatieri is the third most you know, impactful Patriot from the dynasty eras. And I think you are right that you can't say that for Slater as excellent as a sp- of a special teamer as he is. And even though it, I think they both should be in the Hall of Fame, and hopefully they will be. They should be. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Vinatieri there. That was, that was uh, a toss-up, but that was a good one. That was excellent. We got a couple. Brandon, of- Brandon, you're dead to me. <laughs> Who's Dave going to pick between when it comes to me and Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> He's going to abstain. Well, good news is Dave won't wait long for to figure that out because it's me and Brandon. <laughs> there you go. And the question is. You both lose. Pick your poison. <laughs> and the question is. Ooh, this is a good one. I can't only imagine what, what side Brandon's going to land on. The more iconic villain, the Joker or Darth Vader? Ooh, I mean, I think we kind of, I don't want to take it from Dave. Well, Brandon, you're a big De Niro guy, so if you want the Joker, I'll give you. I can't even argue for one of them. So. All right, I'll, <laughs> take, I'll take Darth Vader then. You can take the Joker. I, I've seen two Star Wars movies, I think. I've seen the, the first one, which is actually the fourth one. And then I saw the first one that had what Ray Ray and Jonathan right. Boyega and right. Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I thought they were good. I just, you know, has wasn't like diehard like a lot of people. But as far as the Joker goes, I mean, I can start. Yeah, sure. I'm not even gonna bring up the other iterations because I think I can make the argument with just the Dark Knight alone, um, and that's just also pointing out how many iterations of the Joker there are, how versatile the character he can be. You know, you got weird ones like Jared Leto, even though that movie sucked, like 
it's still Joker, just as Keith Ledger and Jack Nicholson were also Joker, the animated Joker. You know what I'm saying? Meanwhile, like Darth Vader, you know, that's a very, it's got like its character molded, which is also a good thing. But I think the fact that Joker is so versatile keeps it alive and keeps it fresh. And as far as just getting into the, the Dark Knight, honestly, and I'm not, you guys know I'm not really a superhero person. I don't really have any issues with those movies, but Dark Knight is in a league of its own. Um, Heath Ledger's Joker is like legit my favorite movie performance ever. And just because it's so good, so iconic, so many great lines, uh, just went into so much more depth than you'd expect from, you know, a movie like that um, coming into it blind like I did. Obviously, knowing Christopher Nolan now, that's what you come to expect. But, you know, at the time, this was kind of kind of different. And it was even different from Batman Begins because I watched that actually after I watched Dark Knight. And it's also a really good movie, but it's nowhere near that level. And Dark Knight Rises is good too, but it's also you're not in that level. Um, again, I could go on for days about the Joker characters and others, but again, just sticking with Dark Knight, such a versatile character. Just think of the, the lines, think of the backstory, think of him saying, you know, to Harvey Dent, like everyone loses their mind. Like when a politician gets shot, everyone freaks out, but like someone blow, like a soldier blows up overseas, like that's supposed to happen. Mm. Um, and he breaks the pool stick and that says that only one of them can make it. And obviously, do you want it? Why do I have these scars? Do you want to know I have these scars? Um, the, are you why so serious? So many great lines. I mean, uh, before I go into Darth Vader, like I've said this before, but. Heath Ledger Joker was simultaneously the best thing and the worst thing to ever happen to Batman movies because everybody tries to emulate it now going forward. But it was also, like you said, Brandon, honestly, one of like the five best performances I've ever seen in the movie. Like it's, it, it it's just iconic. Um, but for, for the Darth Vader perspective, I think there's, there's two angles that from, from which I come to this debate. A, there's really only been one person that's ever played Darth Vader, and that is James Earl Jones. I mean, the voice of James Earl Jones being Darth Vader, um, with the exception of seeing him unmasked in Return of the Jedi, we really only see Darth Vader in one form. And it's not really a character played by many people. It is reserved for this stoic, classic actor. Secondly, the Joker is just a guy. He's crazy. He's outside the box, but he's just a guy. Darth Vader can choke you out with his mind. Like, that's really what sets him apart from everybody else. The dude's a menace. He walks in the room, and everybody's at attention because you don't know what he's going to do. Like, he's, he's a little crazy, but also he's just, he's so just overcome with power. And I think you'll, you see just so much fear that he evokes, he, he brings out when he walks into the room. And the Joker does that too, because he's insane. But at the end of the day, he really is just a guy. He might be armed, for sure. He can light stuff on fire, of course, but, you know, bombs and everything. But he can't show you out with his mind. So all of that, and when you think of the Batman franchise, Batman is the lead thing you think of. When you think of Star Wars, I think you can argue that Darth Vader is the first character that comes to mind. So, with that three-pronged argument, I think that, as, as iconic as the Joker is, I do think that Darth Vader does uh, edge him out just slightly.
All right. I have my pick. Uh, Brandon Brandon wins. Well, Hell yeah. I knew that was coming. So. <laughs> that was a real surprise. I, I've only seen one Star Wars movie, so. All right. Yeah, that. You had, you had, a, long, you had a long road to climb, Brand, Jake. Yeah, that was a valiant effort. I find your lack of faith disturbing. All right. Sure, if, I, if, it, if it means anything, I thought about it. Number 50. Uh, well, you know what? Brandon's on three in a row. So this does said Jacob Brandon, but we're going to do Jake and Dave. So Brandon, you'll be the judge this time. Um, I don't think I've done three in a row, but yeah, let's do it. Well, we're going to do it anyway. Uh, the argument, expand the NBA. Yes or no? Ooh. Um, I'll take expand. Well, excuse okay. me, sir. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, fine with, I'm fine with that. All right. So Dave, you're taking Dave. expand. I say no. Yes. Okay. I'll yeah. start. Dave has started every every time he's been. I'll start. Um, I I'm gonna keep this really simple. Um, I think that a I think the NBA is at a perfect amount of teams right now. I think keeping it at thirty is the best possible thing because really, you have a good balance of star players and role players. I don't think that if you went into an expansion, you'd find because if you're expanding, you're probably gonna probably gonna add two teams at once, and if you look at an expansion draft, I just I don't think you're gonna find enough players to field a team that'll be competitive within maybe five years. I mean, maybe if they get some draft picks, I could see it happening, but I think ultimately you'd be looking at a team that's not competitive for a while. And if you're looking at, I think you have to look at markets too. You know, are there are there viable markets to expand into? Seattle, sure, and maybe you could find one there. Vegas, I know, is a, a hot commodity right now to expand into, which the NBA might do. I, I just think that you're you're sacrificing expanding and growing for quality NBA play. And I'm not sure if you're going to get that because I, I think that we've hit this mark where I think the NBA may have found its perfect amount of teams with the perfect amount of balance between stars and role players and bench guys and G League. I, I just think that there's I think there's limited room to grow for the NBA in terms of teams. There's rooms to you know. There's room to grow globally. There's room to grow elsewhere, but I think that expanding beyond the current size of the league might be a mistake. All right. Um, I think that there's definitely room for two more teams. I think there's lots of fan bases that that would be able to support a team. You could have Vegas. You could have Seattle, um, Nashville. There's there's lots of cities and in areas that could use a team they could expand into canada more um so there's there's a lot of areas that could go and i think most importantly i think that the talent commands that there's more teams i think that there's jake's point is is well made that there's a lot of role players that um would probably be overextended potentially but i i like to think of it as there's a lot of end of the bench guys that we don't see play a lot that that are you know they're not stars, but they cer- they certainly can play. And there's lots of guys that that don't get picked up that can play too. So I think that if you spread out the league a tiny bit more by adding two more teams, I think you're going to end up seeing more parity among the league because you're going to start to see superstars kind of spread it a little bit more. Two more destinations, you're going to start to see guys kind of make their way over to those teams. The draft is going to help, and I think most likely with the amount of talent that gets taken every year, you're likely to probably see a a third round maybe in the draft in the next 10 years, Um, especially since they already made 
the draft now two days, which is an in of, an of, in of itself a weird thing. But um, I think that there's definitely enough talent. I think the end of the benches are as talented as they've ever been. And for every one guy that is like a Tristan Thompson or someone who you sign who's just kind of like a veteran or has them last year that you sign is just a veteran who doesn't play a lot. There's a lot of guys that are really young and hungry. Like Pritchard last year was the 12th guy in the Celtics. There's a lot of guys similar to that that are playing throughout the league that don't have, that don't get any minutes. And those guys could be valuable players on another team. If you expand the league, the end of the benches won't be quite as good, but those guys that aren't playing will get minutes somewhere else. Well, uh, you know, I think that should be a thesis from the both of you. Uh, great, great compelling arguments on both sides. Um, I want more teams, though. I think that I think two teams could could do well in the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> Bullshit. So, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I, I'm curious. Do you guys actually feel with the side that you're arguing? Or no, you feel no, no. I feel they should expand for sure. Uh, I, I, I think that there's the most talent this league has ever had um, right now. Yeah. I think, I, I, and I think the two teams I laid out, Vegas and Seattle, are the, the places they should go, personally. Yeah, most likely. I mean, at least with Vegas, it's not like baseball and football where you're putting a team that's going to be playing in 100-degree weather for, like, a good, especially baseball. Like, dead of the summer when the A's right. get there. Right. All right. Um, I, I mean, I think... I think the only I think the only guaranteed thing with the expansion is that Seattle's getting a team. I think that's the only guaranteed thing. Yeah, they deserve it. Okay, so question number yeah. uh, seventeen on my list here. This will be me and Dave duking it out. The question is: Dwight Howard deserved a spot on the NBA seventy-five team. Yes or no? Oh, um, let's see. I'm gonna go with what what may be the opposite of what I think you guys feel. I wanna say Jake has to say yes and Dave has to say no. Alright. Dave, you wanna start this time? Um sure. Uh <laughs> really really so convi- really really sound convinced there, Dave. Well, no, so so we're we're debating that he is a Hall of Famer or no? No, no. You're saying he, you're saying he doesn't belong on the top seventy five list. Okay, okay. Um. All right. I I think Dwight Howard has had an awesome career, but I think that certain things are going to weigh against him when you start comparing him to the all time great players. Now the league's been going obviously for. A, a really substantial amount of time dating back to the 1900s. So um, I think you're comparing them to the top 75 is really, really like the upper echelon. This isn't like saying someone's an all-star is all right. They're the top 15%. This is like the top 3% of the league. So just saying he doesn't belong there doesn't mean that people don't think he's a good player. He obviously won a title at the back end of his career with the Lakers. He is, I think like an eight time all-star. But most of those were early on in his career. Um, same with the Defensive Player of the Year trophies. The one thing I will say is he's not – he's in the top – I think he's like 60 in points. That's that's nothing special. There's nothing special about his game that stands out past the first few years of his career to me. Um, when you look at it, I think there's a lot of things that are going to be held against him. 
I think one thing is people love to consider winning and they love to consider what kind of teammate you are. Because when you start comparing the top 125 players, because it's most likely you're comparing about 125 to get down to 75. You're probably cutting 40 to 50 guys. You're going to start comparing guys because the numbers are all great for those guys. You're starting comparing the little things. Dwight Howard really never want, was the, he was the focal point of a, of a good team that never won a title. Then he went and bounced around because he couldn't win in Houston. And he bounced around to Atlanta and he bounced around to, to Charlotte and he bounced around to all these teams and never really won anything. He won with the Lakers. That was the first time bounced around to Philly. He just has been all over the place and there's been a lot of issues with him internally and his motivations. And I, I just don't feel like if you're, if you're in the top 75, you have to be a guy that was on the, on the top of your game every night, because the numbers are going to even out for people. You're comparing yourself against, you know, Dennis Rodman. You're comparing yourself against Bill Russell. You're comparing yourself against Wilt against uh, Julius Irving. Like these guys are all, they all had elite numbers. They all did amazing things. You need to be compared against the small stuff, and I think that's where he comes up short. That's a reasonable argument, for sure. Um, and, I mean, obviously he was a fringe guy because he didn't make it, but I think when you look at the numbers and you look at some of the fringe guys that made the all the NBA 75th, 75th anniversary team, I think Dwight Howard deserved a spot. Um for probably a not, I understand what you mean, Dave. Towards the end of his career, those last few years, last several years, really, I mean, nothing really special. I mean, like you said, won a title with the Lakers and in, in the bubble. I mean, had some some decent years. I mean, some role playing years, but I think for you can argue for an eight to nine year stretch, he was the best center in the league. And if you're talking about peak stuff, ten good years, at least you know in a lot of sports, NBA, basketball especially, that's really good enough to get you into the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I know you say four defensive player of the years were at the beginning of his career. I'm sorry, three defensive player of the years. But he won three defensive player of the year trophies, I believe in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Um, five-time all-defensive, like I said, didn't win a championship. I know it was the end of his career, but he, having a ring on your resume is a big deal for some guys, a lot of guys. Uh, eight all-NBAs, eight all-stars, you know, he was five rebounding titles in six years. That is, that's special, man. I mean, he won his first rebounding title when he was 22 years old. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. He had 14.2 rebounds that year in uh, 07, 08. Two block titles back-to-back years. I mean, for, for an eight-year stretch at a minimum, you could argue nine, ten-year stretch, he was one of the best, if not the best, big man in the league. I mean, it, it, it was remarkable. I mean, to beef with Shaq like that, you got to be pretty special. So I, I think compared to other guys, no disrespect to Damian Lillard or, I mean, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, some of the other fringe, Anthony Davis, for example. You know, these are incredible players, future Hall of Famers, without a doubt. But I think Dwight Howard, I think, deserved a place on that team. I, I think that he got snubbed. There were a lot of spots. There were a lot of guys that got snubbed. But with an eight-year, nine-year peak like Dwight Howard had during the mid-2000s to early 2010s, I think he deserved a spot. I mean, you look at the numbers, I think they're pretty undeniable. Good arguments all around. Um, I kind of gave you an impossible task here, Dave. Uh, I sure think did. Yeah. 
Especially when I was, I was... <laughs> No, go ahead. I was looking at the stats and I was like, damn, he was in 60th in points, 12th in rebounds. He went three defense player of the year, made six all stars. God damn it, what has this guy not done? Yeah, I, was, I definitely gave, yeah, an impossible task there. That's true. And, and there's obviously like a lot of old timers, no disrespect to them, but like you could most likely take one of them out and replace them with Lay Howard. But yeah, I got to go with Jake, but hey, Dave, you know, the effort, got to give you an A on that one. Hey, Dave. Better luck next year. <laughs> All right, let's do Brandon and Dave next. next year. That wasn't very nice. Did I call your, I called your number, right, Gilmore? No, no, you didn't. Oh, well, well, better luck next year. All right, we'll go that Brandon and Dave next. Nice. <laughs> you think you're better than me? Uh, we'll go Brandon and Dave next because you guys kicked it off. Uh, we have. I don't think you guys have debated since then, so let's go. Let's go, you guys. Question is number forty on my list here. <laughs> Oh, this is one of the most absurd ones. All right. Simple question, boys. Kermit the Frog versus Big Bird. This is tough. It's a tough one. Uh, Dave, you're going to go Big Bird. Brandon, you're going to go Kermit the Frog. Okay. I can't even believe I have to argue this. Like, Kermit would stomp. I mean, uh, Big Bird would stomp Kermit. That's a bad like, start, Dave. He's four <laughs> times the size. He's four times the size. All right, first of all, and- this, is, this isn't like... This isn't Deadliest Warrior. <laughs> this is who's the better character. <laughs> While oh, debating I, thought, who would I, thought, win. I thought you were talking about who would win a fight. No, too. who's not? No, who's in a fight? Who's the better character? Like, yeah, wow. Darth Vader I would. Was who would win in a fight. Darth Vader I, would I kill all, Joker without touching him. You know what? Are you know, hold on, hold on. You know what? You know what? Just because, just because I'm a nice guy, I'll spin the wheel again. All right. Because clearly there's no there's no verve for this question. So I mean, we could have argued who would win a fight for well, sure. That that that's fine. I'm gonna give you guys a a a, a very interesting one. Uh, this is question number twenty four. You may have heard this question before. LeBron or MJ? Dave, hmm. you're gonna go MJ. Brandon, you're gonna go LeBron. All right. Actually, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, uh, you can go first. Sorry, I was trying to hit the mute button. I kept missing it. All right. Um, I I think Michael Jordan is clearly the best player of all time, and I think this isn't even like I'm I'm doing this for the argument. I actually do think he's the best player of all time. 14 times All-Star, 10 times scoring champ, 10 times scoring champ, three times steals champ. I'm pretty sure no one thinks about that when you think of him because he was a nine-time All-Defensive player, um, six-time Finals MVP, five-time regular season MVP, six-time NBA champ. I mean, there legitimately wasn't anything this guy could not do. He came. He uh, he retired after 92-93 came back after he played baseball and immediately put up 26 and a half to almost 27 points for his chunk of games he played that year. And the next three seasons led the league in scoring. So he left in the middle of his prime, played baseball, and then came back and still led the league in scoring three times. He was still the best scorer in the NBA after taking a year off in the middle of his prime while other players were still playing. So I don't even – I mean, this – 
this guy is completely ludicrous. His career highs and and points, rebounds, and assists and steals: sixty nine points, eighteen rebounds, seventeen assists, ten steals, and six blocks. He had twenty eight triple doubles. There's literally nothing this guy couldn't do. He just every time he touched the floor, you thought he was you you were probably in for a treat. You thought this guy might put up sixty points tonight. And as good as LeBron is, and he's definitely he's definitely the second best player of all time because he's done pretty much everything. But Jordan won had two three peats, not just one, he had two. LeBron has not had any. Jordan has won six titles. LeBron does not have six titles. Jordan has five MVPs in the regular season. I mean, there's just he's made more defensive teams. He's won two slam dunk contests, even. Like that's just that is just like a side note. No one even thinks about that. He's number one in the in uh, in career for th- for points per game. He averaged thirty point one for his career. Think about that for a minute. Think about how insane it is that someone averaged thirty points for their career. I believe he and I mean, Will. I believe he and Will are the only guys that ever did that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you think about it, this year, right? The last few years has been the boom in scoring. There's only like four guys this year that are averaging thirty for one season, and we're talking about it like this insane feat that, oh my god, I can't believe SGA is averaging thirty-two and Embiid's averaging thirty-four. Jordan averaged 30.1 for his career and 33.4 in the playoffs. He was a walking 30-burger in the playoffs. <laughs> Think about how how just off, absolutely insane and mind-boggling that is. He led the league in points 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 11 times. He's fifth in, the, in his career for points, second most points in the playoffs all time. It's just there's literally nothing this guy this This guy did everything. And also, everything worth, he did. Worth noting that he is fifth all time in scoring, with pretty much missing five full seasons. Actually, six full seasons if you count his eighty five, eighty six season. Including, like, I know the primes were much shorter, like thirty years ago, because obviously, as medicine and sports knowledge goes up, like you're able to treat people's bodies better and kind of let them recover better. Jordan missed his age thirty season. That is, no matter mm-hmm. what, no matter what era you're in that is your prime that is directly in the middle of your prime so he missed one of his prime seasons and the next year he played 17 games so he missed a year and a half in his prime that's another 35 points a game in each of those seasons he easily would be the number one scorer in nba history all right brandon i mean lebron this argument's been beaten to death i'm not going to go into you know the stats or anything like that just um you know lebron has accumulated so many of the stats over time you know obviously most points scored if you're including playoff points he had that record broken years ago um he has made his 20th all-star game most ever there too um and he's not even close to stopping he's got no intention of finishing anytime soon at least it doesn't seem like it um i believe he just turned 39 um and we could see another you know if we're being realistic just talking about the way things have gone and if he wants to continue playing we could see another like three to five years of LeBron. Who says who says that we couldn't? Um, I'm sure his next contract, he's going to be signing a multi-year deal. So uh, the expectation around, I'm sure, will be that he's going to be continuing to play too. So think about those stats that are going to continue to accumulate over the next few years. Think about all of the ones that he's added up already. You know, clearly the best player in modern basketball history. The expectations that were attached to him as well. The fact that he somehow surpassed them. 
Um, and then you also have to talk about the competition he was going against too. Not, I'm not even one who's going to be saying like, "Oh, Jordan was playing against plumbers." You know, like I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, but as far as the teams that LeBron faced, like his biggest adversary was in the early part of his career, a Celtics team that won a championship, went to the finals multiple times, and then a Warriors team that many consider to be like literally the best basketball team ever. So it's not like he was losing to scrubs. He was going against the top competition all around. And oftentimes he was doing it with a team that had like injured Kevin Love, injured Kyrie, Matthew Dellavedova, and Timothy Mozgov playing 25 minutes a night in the, the finals. Um, so I think that has to be taken into consideration too. Uh, again, just cool of thought in terms of who, who you put number one or number two. But LeBron absolutely has a case and he's done, you know, way more than anyone thought he would have. And everyone had the highest of expectations for him, which is insane to say. Man, you guys made incredible arguments for both these guys. I think there's a clear, you know, one-two punch between the two of them in terms of who's the best of all time. Man, it, it it's so tough. I mean, you know, MJ, like we said, you know, missed pretty much six full seasons between retirement and injury, while LeBron is just pretty much been incredibly consistent his entire career and he doesn't have the scoring titles or the rebounding title the the, the steel titles or any of that but again he's just always been there when you need him um god it's it's close but i think i do have to lean with dave on mj i think and i think you have to take into account the era that he played in in terms of what was allowed and what he had to play through and what you know, it just having to go through the the Celtics and the Pistons and, and those teams, I think the competition was a little bit more fierce in terms of what, what was allowed in the NBA. Uh, but don't get me wrong. It is like a, a 50.1 to 49.9 uh, decision because as much as I hate watching LeBron James play against my team, um there's just it's undeniable that he's been just I mean twenty was it twenty thirteen LeBron is like probably the most dominant player I've ever seen in my entire life, so I can't I can't argue against it, but I do think maybe by the time he's done he usurps MJ, but I think right now it's just neck and neck. There's there's worse places to be. So uh, LeBron James, I think what you've gleaned from this, if you're listening, is that Dave Albiani said he could tune you off on the basketball court. So. Simply put, I'm shocked and appalled. Shocked and appalled. <laughs> all right, it's me and Brandon. I think, I think, we, I think we all, I think we all can agree that I smoked Brandon last round. That's all mm-hmm. I'm saying. All right, this game played under protest. Me and Brandon going at it with the Pedro number forty-five. <laughs> the question is, ooh, ooh, I can only, I can already tell which one Dave is going to give me on this one. <laughs> The Red Sox should retire Mookie Betts' number. Dave? You get, to, <laughs> you get to pick who does what? Do either of you guys have do either of you guys have a preference? Oh, I have a preference. I, I'm cool, whatever. Jake, I'll let you take your preference and Brandon, you can have the other one. My preference is yes. That's my preference, personally. All right, All right. Jake has yes, Brandon has no. 
Go ahead, Jake. All right. I, I appreciate you yielding the floor. I appreciate that. So, Mookie Betts played only six years with Boston. Really five full seasons with the Red Sox. That definitely gets counted against him for that. But, for those years, he was top 10 MVP voting, a gold glover, a silver slugger, an all-star, all four of those years. And the fifth year in 2015, when he was only 22 years old, he was a top 20 in MVP voting. Had a really good year. Hit 290, 820 OPS, 117 OPS plus. Really damn good year. Um, in really what was his rookie season, even though he played 52 games in 2014. Um, not a great couple of years for the Red Sox. But if you're asking, you know, who is the best pure player the Red Sox have had in the past 10 years, 15 years, I, I don't think there's really much of an argument you can make beyond Mookie Betts. I mean... He helped deliver a World Series. He won an MVP. He was the best player on that team for a half dozen years. It's not his fault that they ended up trading him and he left town and will end up probably wearing a different hat when he goes into the Hall of Fame, inevitably. But if you're asking me who ended up, I mean, this is, I don't think it's unprecedented in terms of retiring numbers for guys that only played a half dozen years at the Red Sox. I'm, I mean, you look at my Twitter profile and it says the Red Sox should retire Jimmy Fox's number despite the fact he only played six years here, six full years here. I don't think time should really factor into it. I think your impact should factor into it. And there's no player who has had a bigger impact on the Red Sox, position player, if you want to differentiate and split hairs, over the past 15 years. I don't count David Ortiz. I mean, he's in a different realm entirely. So if you want to exclude him, sure. But there's really been nobody better than Mookie that's played for the Red Sox for the past 15 years. There's no player that we've seen since we went into high school that's been better on the Red Sox than Mookie. And you could say, oh, he's only played five full seasons with the Red Sox, whatever. Sure, if you want to hold that against him, fine. But I, I don't think you should. I think he's been he was so dominant those years he was with us. And he helped, he, he was the centerpiece of the most dominant team in the history of the Boston Red Sox. And I don't think that can be discounted. So, yeah, if you want to hold it against him, he only played 800 games here, fine. And that's your prerogative. But he hit 300, had an OPS near 900. He won an MVP. I mean, he was, t he was a runner-up in 2016. Like, you're, you're talking one of the best players that they've, home has been homegrown in this system in a long long time and ultimately retiring numbers is just kind of a you know if you want to call it a superficial thing fine but i think he has a pretty good argument for number 50 being up there i i just i i, I think that i just think he was so dominant in the time that he was here that i i think time played shouldn't really be a factor he was just an integral part of the Red Sox renaissance in 2018, winning a World Series, winning MVP. I put it up there. Why not? Yeah, I love Mookie. He's the man, but you lost the argument in your first sentence when you talked about how he's only played basically five years here. Um, excellent player. But like, yeah, he's about to spend 13 years in another uniform. Um, and then on top of that, 
his success here was excellent, but he's never had a good postseason, if we're being real. Um, he, there's, you know, Steve Pierce and David Price and Chris Sale and all these other guys who, Brock Holt, who had the, the huge contributions during that playoff run, and not to discredit Mookie at all, but, like, there were seven, eight guys who played better than him the entirety of the postseason when they won the World Series. Um, and then on top of that, you have the... Um, if you're talking about best players from an era, like Mo Bond's number should be retired then. And if you're talking about like players who are homegrown, like Clay Buckles is retired number should be retired then. Like that's not the Oh come, the come on. Clay like, Buckles. Oh, Get come like, oh, he's on. the best homegrown player. Like like in that case, like if you're talking about just if that's the qualifier being a good Red Sox prospect, then there's a lot of guys who, you know, fit into that mold. You know, like Lars Anderson, go ahead and, <laughs> and give him his retired number too. Um, and you know, again, I love Mookie. I'm not trying to discredit him. This is for the sake of you the put him in the same sense as Lars Anderson. It sounds like I got to gotta put a compelling case out, you know, I got to put a compelling case out here. And yeah, the, the, the time factors against him, the lack of postseason success individually factors against him. He was really bad at times. And I love Mookie. There were times when he was like, just strike. And this guy never strikes out. He'd be like striking out three times a game in the playoffs. And I again, I love Mookie, um, and then yeah, if we're, like if we're just talking about the qualifiers, you have to be the best Red Sox player in like a ten-year span. And like I said, like Mo Vaughn, you see his number retired then too, like guys like that. So so yeah, love Mookie, but yeah. Dave, if I may offer a rebuttal, I understand if you want me to. Whoa, 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 where where did this come from? I, I I'm just saying there are two points you made in there that I think are unfair. <laughs> but if Dave doesn't want me to do it, then I won't. It's fine. That's the nature so of it. So no, I'll, I'll hear the rebuttal. All right. First of all, in terms of playing more games with another team than the Red Sox, Carlton Fist did that. He played about 300 more games with the White Sox. Yeah, but how many seasons did he play on the Red Sox? Are you talking about seasons or games? Seasons. Seasons? Full seasons? Because he, he played one, two. No, no, no. Just, just tell me how many, what, like, what, from what year to what year? He played. From nineteen seven, again, it's it's important to qualify because in nineteen sixty nine he played two games, in seventy one he played fourteen. So do you count those? Well, then just say just say the other ones then. All right. So from seventy two to eighty, he played one, two, three, four, five, six full seasons with the Red Sox. I mean, I'm not talking about full seasons, just in terms of like because he was still around and whatnot. Fifty, but fifty two, seventy nine, ninety one, ninety seven, like ninety one. Like those aren't those aren't full seasons. I mean, that's still he was like there. Double, double Mookie's time. Well, here's the thing, though. He played 1,078 games with the Red Sox, which is a, maybe like 150 more than Mookie. He played 1,421 with the White Sox, more than with them with the Red Sox, and still got his number retired, which I, I mean, have no that, problem with because uh, I love Carlton Fisk. But That's a lot of time, though. And, like, that's, like, an extra season. Well, that, that... Johnny Pesky, I love him to death. Played 1,029 games with the Red Sox. Now, he did miss three years for military service, so we'll give him that. But and He also really wasn't retired. His number wasn't retired much for, like, like playing, wasn't it? Was it? Wasn't it more so, like, his contributions to the team and, like, the leadership and, you know what I'm saying? Well, what about Mookie's contributions to the team and leadership? I mean, you Devers said that, like, he barely even talked to him. So, I mean. Well, there you go. That's the whole argument. <laughs> Devers <laughs> said he barely talked to him. Raised the banner. <laughs> I mean. I'm just saying, like, if, like, Devers, who's a franchise cornerstone, he was saying they didn't really have 
too much of a relationship. I know that's definitely a lot the case in a lot of MLB locker rooms. I'm not saying that right. it means anything necessarily, but you know, I feel like in Pesky's case, if we're bringing him up, like if this dude was in the Red Sox dugout until he was like 99 years old. Like, hey, I love Johnny Pesky. There's something different with Johnny Pesky for sure. I got you. I know. Okay. All right. So, Dave, uh, who is the winner here? I have a feeling I know who the winner is, but. Uh, personally, I, man, I, it's really 50-50 because I can see Is that a pun? Is that a pun? It hurt because I, I, I do think that the points I made are extremely valid, but I wouldn't be mad at all if he was number retired. I think I put up a good point as to. I, I would probably lean towards the side of Jake. Wow. Awful. That's a stunner. Just because. Just because I think Mookie was I, – I, I just think he was so good at his time here. I know he didn't play a lot here, and he's going to end up playing double-ish, maybe a little bit more with the Dodgers. But he's just – he was so good, and I don't know. I, maybe it's just the, the nostalgia in me that I loved watching him play. But, I mean, he's legitimately like – if Trout wasn't like – if Trout didn't have his career that he had – if he was maybe like a tenth worse, Mookie would have been hands down the best player for most of his time with the Red Sox. I can't believe you. There, there's a D tier reliever who could be using that number fifty, and you want to retire it selfishly, wow. so that the next Mike Timlin can't come in here and and don that fifty. <clears throat> well, Brandon, if it's any consol- if it's any consolation, Brandon, uh, I spun the wheel and we're back up against each other. So, listen, uh, you never know when the next Luis Urias comes in and wants to wear fifty. Yeah. This is so. a this is a really good question too. Um all right. So Dave, you get to pick who gets or who argues what side. Very simple. Jokic or Giannis? I think Jake's a Giannis guy, so I'm gonna give Jake Giannis and Brandon can have Jokic. Alright, I'll tell I'll start. Um I really don't have to say anything. Like literally every stat. Any stat you could possibly think of, even like the most obscure stat that's like super basketball nerd that's like proves something super extensively or just regular stats like assists and whatnot like Jokic is the, at the top of all of them I think he's been widely recognized as the best player in the league for like three straight years now only reason he didn't win MVP last year is because of voter fatigue um probably gonna win MVP again this year like Jake had Jake had probably gonna put up a great argument for Giannis but like the debate's already over um like I said, I'm not even gonna really get too into the weeds with stats because we anyone that you bring up, Jokic is gonna be number one in for the most part. Um, and even though he's not the top tier scorer, he's still scoring like 25 points a game, like and like double digit assists a game. This dude is like seven three, like 300 pounds, really slow. Like he's a guy who you wouldn't really expect to do and be doing those things. And it's to the point now where he's been doing it for so long that it's so normalized for us that it doesn't really you know, feel the same. Like people kind of downplay it, um, but he's absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt, the best player in the league. Not to take anything away from Giannis, but that debate has been, you know, done and over with for a minute now. Well, that's a good argument. I love Jokic. I'm a big Jokic guy too, but I mean, I think Giannis is the more well-rounded player personally. I mean, he doesn't shoot threes to the level of Jokic, but I think practically everything else he does better i mean you look at his career accomplishments so far seven-time all-star seven-time all-nba 
five-time all-defense, that, that's very impressive. A two-time MVP, just like Jokic. Um, we look at the other, the kind of the uh, uh, ancillary accomplishments, too, in terms of all-star game MVP, most improved player, defensive player of the year, finals MVP. Like, I know Jokic has all that, a couple of those things, too. But um, I think when you look at the, the total record here, in, in terms of what Giannis has become, it, it's just, I think he just edges out Jokic. And again, I'm not going to lie. I, I love Jokic. I think they're both incredible players. I think they're kind of a one-two debate. Um, I, I do take umbrage with Jokic uh, losing only because of voter fatigue, which the fact that I have to defend Joel Embiid kind of makes me uneasy. But Embiid had a really damn good year last year. I think he deserved to win the MVP. But... You could say some fatigue factored into it for sure. But Giannis has really only improved overall pretty much every year he's been in the league. I mean, his rebounding numbers have been down the past few years from his MVP years. But I think when you factor in his defensive capabilities, I think that puts him just over the line um, for Jokic. I mean, he's a perennial all-defensive selection at this point. You know, now he's a, I said seven-time All-Star. He's eight-time because uh, they haven't updated the basketball reference page, but eight-time All-Star. I mean, pretty much going to make the team every year now, for like the, probably till the end of his career at this point. Um, and, you know, they call him the freak for a reason. I mean, Jokic has his own abilities in that in that realm, but I, I just think that Giannis has a, a, a wider uh, toolkit than Jokic does. I mean, yes, his three-point shooting could uh, definitely definitely improve um and i know Jokic kind of throws him up as a last resort but if i'm picking one of those two players i think you got to go with Giannis just because his his entire uh toolkit is just i think a little bit more diverse than what Jokic has to offer all right uh i like both your arguments but i'm gonna go with brandon oh. uh i think Giannis is the best player in the league and, as and, much yet, as I and thought, yet you're going I, with Brandon. What a surprise. And I think, I think Jake's arguments are compelling, but Giannis, I do not think is as dominant or as important as Jokic's. Well, Jokic has made two game winners in like the last week and a half. Counterpoint, Iramini. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on. Now I have to pull back my, Good. my decision. <laughs> Good. All right. Uh, next up. Man, I'm I'm pulling double duty here. It's me and Dave up next. And the question is oh, this is the suspense. Alright. The question is Summer Olympics versus Winter Olympics. I I'm an Olympic fiend, so Dave, you can pick either or. Yeah, Dave, you, you get the choice. I'll defend whichever one I need to. Uh, I'll take Summer Olympics. Oh, I, th- I thought I, was, I, th- I forgot that I was thinking that I was debating my bank. Nope. <laughs> um, sorry, do one of you have a... Yeah, D- Dave, 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 a... Dave will take Summer. Dave will take Summer. I'll take Winter. All right, cool, cool. All right, yeah, Dave, Summer, Jake, Winter. Who, who wants to go first? Dave, I'll defer to you. Age before uh, beauty, as they say. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Uh... I'll be short and sweet here. I'm not a big Olympics guy, but the one thing that gets me to tune in is... What a start to your argument. (laughs) 
The one thing that gets me to tune in is the summer events like track and field. I love watching because it kind of makes me think about when I did track, even though I sucked at it. And I like watching the basketball. I think the coolest thing is seeing these guys play for their teams. And you get to see the FIBA rules. So you get to see the no goaltending rules. Um, you, you get to see players hit the ball off the rim, which is fun. And I, I just think like the floor, the spacing, all that stuff is much better in the European game than it is in the NBA. doesn't mean the spacing is good in the NBA, but the spacing in like FIBA in Europe is just otherworldly. It's guys like Steph would have a hundred points a game, but uh, I just think it's, it's really, really cool to watch. And it's cool to see guys represent their countries. And it looks like baseball could be added soon. Um, which if that's the case and you get to allow professionals i think that would be really cool as well but overall i think my number one sport to watch is is basketball for the olympics and i know people love soccer that's in the summer olympics too so you have potentially two of the most popular sports on earth taking place in the summer olympics i think that's it's pretty clear cut it's a good argument dave um but i think that the winter olympics just clears here you know, if we're looking at, in terms of what is offered during the Winter Olympic, you got the biathlon, incredible stuff, mixed relay, women's sprint, men's sprint, the bobsled, come on now. Curling? Cool, cool if, runnings. If you don't enjoy curling, you don't have a soul. Ice hockey? Come on, man. Olympic ice hockey. Luge? Come on. Who doesn't love, Speed skating? Apollo Anton Ono? You don't know that name from anything else. You don't know him from the Summer Olympics. You know him from the Winter Olympics. Skeleton, I mean, just called skeleton. Wait, wait, what? Snowboarding, speed skating, like, come on now, come on, like, I, I know I said, I, like, come on now. I, I mean, we're talking, and what else is there to watch during the Winter Olympics? You know, like the Summer Olympics. There's competition. There's other stuff going on. There's other competitive efforts. We're watching baseball. We're watching, you know, training camp. We got, we're got eyes and everything else. Winter Olympics is the only game in town, baby. We're always watching curling. We're rooting for the U.S. of A. in curling, but Canada usually clears in that sport. Come on now. I mean, it's not even a debate, in, in my opinion. I'm, I'm very happy that Dave chose summer because I think, I think winter is the clear winner here, personally. You know, Jake, there, there was a path to victory here if you, if you hit the right notes. The one that I would have gone with is just... Hey, if you're talking about the Summer Olympics, you do have, like, the heavy hitters in terms of sports, but Winter Olympics is where you get the most creative ones. You got people, like, flying in the air on skis, like you started saying in the beginning. You got people who are, like, skiing down a mountain and, like, shooting a bunch of guns at targets and, and whatnot. Like, you got some crazy things going on in the Winter Olympics. Dudes flying on snowboards and skis and whatnot, races. Like, there's a lot of, um, like, I think the, the Winter Olympics is pretty underrated. Um, I love both of them. I'll watch anything Olympics, honestly. I'll watch speed walking. Um, there's something about it that just gets me, like, super compelled. Um, but, you know, Dave came out and knocked all the points that you, you, you should have talking about the Summer Olympics. You know, basketball, you relied heavily on. You know, you're, you're getting good points there. Soccer, um, you touched upon baseball being an addition. Didn't touch upon breakdancing, though. That was... Uh, that was uh, a little <laughs> message. That is a part of, that is coming to the Olympics, so um yeah, I'm gonna give it to Dave here. Okay, well yeah. <laughs> we we all make mistakes here and there. 
<laughs> you taking Winter Olympics was a mistake. I didn't take shit. You took summer. <laughs> I, I said I would take summer, but you, you didn't fight it. Well, you know what, Jake, what was I supposed could, to you do? Could it, you could take it up with whoever came up with the question. Well, how about I take it up with the fact that you and Dave are up next? About that? <laughs> Spoiler, you both lose. All right, here's the question. I actually just added this one because there was a 51 on the board, but there was no question. So, um, DeMar DeRozan, Hall of Famer or not? Uh, Dave, you um, will argue no. Brandon, you will argue yes. Okay, um, I can start. Um, first of all, just in terms of career accumulation, he's like, what, the 18th or so top scorer in NBA history at this moment. And it's only going to get higher over the next few years as he continues playing. Still been extremely consistent over his career. His defense has fallen off a little bit, but he's still really good at the mid-range. Um, still got a huge leadership role on the Bulls. Was a really huge part of those Raptors teams right before they took off from the championship. Obviously, never going to get the respect he deserves on that end because he was traded right before they ended up winning the championship. But he had a massive effect on how that team came to be and Although he wasn't on the championship roster, he had a hand in building that too. Um, got a long way to go. But again, he can play for a few more years. The contract's about to be up at the end of the season. He could sign a multi-year deal with uh, whether it's the Lakers or another team going into next season. Um, and again, as far as the points he's accumulated over his career, by the time he retires, he could be top 15 or so. And if you're going to say a guy was top 15 in points in NBA history, played like 16 seasons or so, um, you know, I think that ends up being a Hall of Fame resume overall. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you made some some good points. Uh, I just, I don't think he's really, I don't think he's going to be looked at upon as favorably as, as potentially the numbers would say. He's never really been a part of a true winner. The best teams he's been a part of were San Antonio, which were basically a first-round exit every year and Toronto, which basically only won one series every year and then got dominated by LeBron every playoff. Uh, he's been an outlier of consistently knocking down mid-range in a game that has kind of predicated space and long-range or shots at the rim, which doesn't always mean anything, but it does kind of make you stand a little bit more. But that being said, it does surprise some that he's only 40th in career scoring. Um, I think that number probably needs to be higher just because he's not anywhere near the top in assists. Points per game, he's just inside the top 50, 21.1. He's not really, he was never really a rebounder. He was never really a top notch shooter, never really a free throw guy. Defense has always been just okay to good, never really been a top defender. I, there's just not really, I mean, his Hall of Fame probability is under 50% on basketball reference. And that's despite the fact that uh, he's 34 right now and he's going to be 35 next year. So he probably doesn't have much time left in the NBA as far as a top contributor. He might make some teams as kind of like a, a like a back backup option, maybe off the bench or as like a fifth starter type guy. But six-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, I just don't think those numbers are good enough. 96 win shares over the course of his career. And again, I think when people are kind of in that vein of 
not really having like any one thing that sets you over the edge, like Shaq with um, his points and rebounds combination, Dwight Howard with the defensive game, Kevin Garnett with the defensive pet reputation and passing reputation. You need to have something that kind of sets you uh, sets you over the top. And I don't think DeMar DeRozan was ever a top 15 player in the NBA when he played for the most part. So to me, it's it's a slight miss. I don't think he, he gets off by that much, but I just don't think he does enough. And his resume is um, big enough to require admittance to the NBA Hall of Fame. <sighs> Those are two really good arguments. I can see both sides. Um but I am going to lean with Brandon here. I do think that by the time DeRozan retires, he's going to end up with 25,000 points in his career. And here's the list of guys who are not in the Hall of Fame with 25,000 points in their career. LeBron, Melo, Durant, Vince Carter, James Harden. Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry will also join that list. And all those guys are going to the Hall of Fame. So either DeRozan is a precedent setter by not going to the Hall of Fame with those numbers, or he ends up sneaking in with... I mean, six all-star selections is nothing to shake your tail feather at. Three all-NBA is actually more than I thought for DeRozan. And I think he benefits from playing with teams that didn't really have high expectations. I mean, those Toronto teams had some decently high expectations, but they play LeBron every year. I mean, what do you expect? Um, And I think those Spurs teams were a little bit worse than we're letting on. Um, And Chicago has just been kind of directionless for a while. Um, But he's made the most of those situations, so... Um, I think he, he's got a decent shot, I think, at the Hall of Fame. So, and again, you might disagree with that, but the standards, you know, the, the leniency for the Basketball Hall of Fame, a, a little bit, uh, again, I guess a little more lenient than, uh, than most, most, uh, Hall of Fames. So I think DeRozan could end up sneaking in there. Um, we got time for a couple more. Let me just, uh, spin the wheel here. Should have taken off 51. Or else we'll just debate it again. <laughs> of course, it landed on fifty-one. So let's go to the next closest one, uh, which is number twenty-six. Just gotta take that off the list here. All right, and debating number twenty-six will be me and Dave. Classic CSL showdown. All right. Ooh, this is a great one for me and Dave too. All right, career showdown. Who has had the better career? Brian Cranston or Bob Odenkirk? Um, which way you guys uh lean in here? I'll argue either. I don't have preference. I'm good either way. Right, Jake, you're going with the the Kirkster mm-hmm. Odenkirk, and Dave, you're going with Mr. Cranston. All right, I'll start. Um, so Bob Odenkirk, I think, has had a more diverse, successful career. I mean, I, I love Brian Cranston, don't get me wrong, but I think Bob Odenkirk's done kind of a little bit more in terms of um, range. I mean, you know, Mr. Show with Bob and David, I mean, I think a real trendsetter for for uh, for sketch comedy, for, for what he was doing, for writing. I think he influenced a lot of people uh, with that. And then Better Call Saul. I mean, you know, a lot of people will argue. I, I, I'll, I'll be front, upfront with you, even if this is my a losing argument. A lot of people argue it's better than Breaking Bad. I, I just don't see how that's possible. Um, and I've, you know, I, I need to catch up on Better Call Saul, but I just think that what he's been able to do in terms of range, 
I think it's just a little bit more impressive um, than Brian Cranston. I think because Bob Odenkirk has, you know, a little bit more creative control behind what he does, especially with Mr. Show. I mean, he's kind of the driving force behind stuff like that. He's obviously great in roles that are written for him and, and assigned to him. But I think when you when you add into it, creating your own characters and creating your own um, your own vision I think Bob Odenkirk has has done a little bit more um, in the grand scheme of things. So it's tough. I mean, I, like I said, uh, ad nauseum, I love Brian Cranston. I think he's done an incredible job. He's had a remarkable career. But if you're asking me to pick between the two, I think that in terms of range, in terms of your own unique vision, I think Bob Odenkirk just kind of slightly edges ahead of him. Wow. Well. I think that's certainly a way to go. Uh, I would never disparage Bob Odenkirk because I think he's had an amazing career. Sounds like you're but, about to. But I would say that Brian Cranston <laughs> has had potentially one of the all-time careers. and He was great in Godzilla. You're right. <laughs> he was excellent in Godzilla. <laughs> I'll give um, him that. <laughs> uh I mean, I think it starts with the fact that he played potentially the most well-known and greatest character of all time with Walter White. How? I mean, oh, yeah, sorry. Right. I mean, we also have to talk about the fact that on top of on top of playing the, one of the most well-known roles, it's a complete 180 from his most well-known role before that, which is Hal, which was kind of like this guy that gets beat up by verbally and... Um, mentally by like his family and his anyone around him he's kind of like a pushover <laughs> and he goes from that to being like the biggest drug kingpin and potentially the greatest performance of, of the tv actor of all time i mean that's i think that defines range more than anything else could i mean he's got obviously he's got i don't know 400 acting credits and producing credits to his name at this point he's also been in some famous sitcoms like he was tim watley in seinfeld mm. that was like a pretty not pretty whoa uh, whoa bob odenkirk was on seinfeld too okay <laughs> yeah for one episode it's lane's boyfriend excuse me that, that's that still counts um, for something um <laughs> he was and i think i think jake would agree with me this is the best role he's ever had which is uh tim saxky is in king of queens oh he's incredible incredible <laughs> I mean, honestly, honestly, I'll, 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 I'll concede right now. Just with Tim Sachs. <laughs> I forgot about that. Honestly, that's the winner right there. Incredible performance. He's so funny in that. Um, but he's, he's, he's done a lot of great movies too. Like, I mean, I know he's obviously in Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad, like I said, but Little Miss Sunshine, uh, Lincoln Lawyer, Drive, Contagion, um, John was Carter in, was obviously a big flop, but he was in Little Miss Sunshine. Hell. Yeah, well, I don't remember that. Yeah, he was uh, Stan Grossman. Oh my god, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, Kung wow. Fu Panda Three. Like he, he yeah. I know he's in the Infiltrator and the Kung Outside. Fu Panda Three. Everybody associates him with a uh, Kung Fu Kung Fu Panda Three. You're right. Argument. <laughs> you know right. what? I concede between. Tim Sask Staksky and and Kung Fu Panda Three. I think it's over. It's done. And he's also he also is in Asteroid City. Even though I hated that movie, but um, well, you won, you think... won, Dave, because it wasn't nominated for any Oscars. So 
damn right. Uh, but again, I, I think the most important thing too is I know Bob Odenkirk is a great actor and has done a lot of great things, but the fact that that Brian Cranston was able to turn around so quickly from Hal and turn into Walter White is, I think, the biggest credit to him as an actor. Well, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, pee behind the curtain. It probably would have been easier to argue for Brian Cranston, <laughs> but Definitely. but um, I don't shy away from a challenge. So, I mean, they both had ha- have had excellent careers. Um both incredibly accomplished in their fields. It's also interesting that both of them, I mean, granted, like you said, uh, Odenkirk had the picture show, right? Uh, Mr. Show. Mr. Show. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, but he got way more successful, you know, toward the middle of his, like these later stages of his career, just like Cranston did. And again, he was obviously on Malcolm in the middle. Like he was successful too, but the level that these guys are both at now, you know, they're, they're both, I would say firmly A-list, mm. um, you know, getting nominated for top awards every year. Um, yeah, I got to give it to Dave for, you know, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Damn right. Uh, all right. I was going to say this would be the last one, but it's number 13. And I don't want to end on number 13. So we'll do one more after this, but it's Brandon and Dave. And a great question. The better Brady weapon, Welker or Edelman? Dave? You're going to argue Welker, and Brand's going to argue Edelman. All right, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I mean, Edelman came up in the clutch. Welker had the overall stat, like regular season and whatnot, but when it came to the clutch moments, there's few people that are clutcher than Julian Edelman. Not only with that catch in the Super Bowl for the Falcons, not only the season when... I can't remember if he ended up winning Super Bowl MVP. Did Brady win it? No, he won it. He it won was Brady. in the the Rams Super Bowl. He won it. Yep. Yeah, because I no, because it was um the um the Falcon Super Bowl where Brady said James White should have won it. I mm. think. Um, but yeah, Edelman's got a Super Bowl MVP. Um, again, respect Walker, love Walker, but one of the highlights of his career, or not highlights, but lowlights, I should say, is you know, you know, missing that catch in. The Super Bowl against the Giants, which, you know, it was granted it was a tough catch, but, you know, a guy like Welker's caliber, you know, you're hoping that he can pull that down. And Edelman was coming up with plays that you would never expect him to make on the other end. Um, and he's got three rings. So I think that, you know, makes this a pretty easy argument for myself. Dave, you got a, a hill to climb. <laughs> I love that you patted yourself on the back as you're. Oh, oh yeah, have to, have to, just to, to muddy the waters a little bit. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, I hate to burst your bubble here, but Wes Welker is better in almost every statistical category over Edelman in his career. Um. What about Super Bowl wings? Listen, one player doesn't control the destiny of a team. So the one makes Wes Welker so special. <laughs> And he was more productive. If we're mm-hmm. talking about the player, Wes Welker was way more productive than Edelman was. And he never had any of the injury concerns that Edelman did. People forget that Edelman, for his first, like, four years in the league, continuously had trouble staying healthy. His first year, he popped, and people thought he was ready to replace Edel- uh, Welker. And then he got hurt constantly, to the point where his last year with the Patriots and his rookie deal, in free agency that year, he remained unsigned for multiple months, and went to the Giants 
to try to get an offer out of him. They didn't even make an offer, and he signed with the Patriots for one year and one million. That's how much people could have had him for. So, again, he had a really great career, but Wells Walker was way more consistent than he was. He had 903 receptions. Edelman had 620. He had almost 10,000 receiving yards. Edelman didn't even have 7,000. They each averaged 11 yards per reception, but Welker had 14 more uh, receiving touchdowns. And he was a better punt returner for punt return yardage. He better kick return yardage, made more Pro Bowls, and made more All-Pros. Edelman made zero combined. Welker made five Pro Bowls and, Pro Bowls and four All-Pros. I just don't even think it's really... If you're looking at the overall snapshot, I don't think it's really close. I think Welker was the better player, and it just so happened that some of the Logan Mankins, that he just happened to be on the Patriots at the wrong time where they came up short in the big games. But it doesn't take away from guys like Logan Mankins or Wes Welker about how great they were. So, all that is true. But the question I asked was the better Brady weapon, not the better player, because the better player is undeniably Wes Welker for sure but clearly Tom Brady had a better chemistry than with Julian Edelman than he did with Wes Welker um because Wes Welker dropped a lot of important passes and Julian Edelman didn't um so for that reason I do have to lean Edelman if it was a better player I would definitely go with you Dave because Wes Welker was undeniably the better player I mean all the numbers you listed I'm looking at them now like way better in pretty much every regard except for except for Rushing attempts, rushing yards, and punt return touchdowns. He pretty much has everything over uh, I, Edelman statistically. But I, I would even argue that he was the better Brady weapon. I mean, if you look at if you look at the numbers, Wes Welker's best seasons with Brady, Edelman doesn't come anywhere close to those. That's fair. But did Edelman ever play alongside a Randy Moss? He played with Gronkowski. Okay, but the year they beat the Falcons, Gronkowski was hurt. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean. And Edelman Walker also made maybe Walker. the best catch the Patriots has have ever seen in the playoffs. Hey, Brian Timms made a great catch once. All right, too, all so. right, all right, all right, all right. When did Brian Timms make that catch? <laughs> did he make it during the regular season in Week Five or in the Super Bowl? <laughs> hey, I mean, there's lots of other players. I mean, Chris, what's his name for the for the Seahawks? Oh, Chris. Um, uh, oh my God, Matthews. Matthews. Yeah made a bunch of really big catches and Jermaine Kirst did too, but they're all time Seahawks. All right. Well, Dave, luckily you get to go against me in the final question of the night, which is a very fittingly Boston question that Brandon will get to judge. Brandon, Dave and I are going to debate the bigger Boston icon, Larry Bird or David Ortiz. All right. Dave gets Ortiz. Jake gets Larry Bird. All right. All right. Dave, you want to go first? I'm going to go first. Um, what would you prefer? I'll let you pick. Uh, you want me to receive or defer? I'll defer. All right. All right. Um, all right. Larry Bird was awesome, no doubt. There's literally nothing you can take away from that guy. Starting with slander. Um, you can start. <clears throat> also, side note, amazing performance by his character in Winning Time. Uh, but that being said, David Ortiz... <laughs> is 100% the answer here because he played at an extremely important point in in Boston history. The Red Sox were mired in this 
almost century-long losing streak of not winning World Series. And they came up short his first year with the team against the Yankees in the ALCS. And then he came back with the team and had an enormous year, hit 300 with 41 home runs in 2004, a year after they signed him for a million-dollar, basically like a million-dollar deal for one year. They came back and won the World Series, ended the deck, the 86-year um, World Series drought. And not only did they do that, they ended up winning three more title or two more titles in his tenure, all on the back of in 2004, perhaps the most clutch performance ever, when he had multiple hits against Rivera in late in, late in game situations, including the home run in the bullpen with the infamous Joe or with the famous Joe Buck call of "We'll see you later tonight," which is still one of the better calls. He led the league in RBIs twice, had 54 homers in 2006 where realistically he should have probably been at worst second in mvp he finished third but he should have been second uh had 148 rbis the year before so he had five straight years of 100 or more rbis he consistently outperformed every expectation people had for him to the point where his last year at age 40 with a bad leg and a bad bad foot led the league in doubles and rbis and slugging and OPS at age 40. This guy was a monster, continuously putting up big numbers and evolving as a hitter past the point where he was a 200, he was a 250 hitter for the most part. And then the last five or six years of his career became a 300 hitter. Everything this guy did was clutch. He had incredible poise down the stretch. And in the ninth inning, eighth inning, you, there was no one you'd rather have. He had a 600. Uh, 688 World Series uh, average against the Cardinals in 2013 and won MVP that year. He had 333 against the Rockies in 07 in the World Series. And he hit 308 in the World Series against the, the Cardinals in 04, including 387 in the ALCS in that seven-game series with the 3-0 comeback. This guy did it all, and he led the biggest comeback, ended the biggest drought, and had a ton of huge hits. Has to be him. Look, it's it's real tough arguing against Poppy. I mean, you're talking about a guy that I saw play pretty much every game of his Red Sox career versus Larry Bird, who, you know, we've heard the legends, no pun intended, of our entire lives, but we never saw him play in real time. Um, that being said, I think when we're talking about bigger icon, I, I think Larry Bird has to be the choice here. You know, three-time MVP. He did, was a finals MVP twice. So for a lot of people, you know, he was Celtics basketball and I mean, it's, it's like, I can, I can feel myself fighting internally, even having to say these words, but like, as much as I love Poppy, he, he's not the best Red Sox of all time. There's no argument for that. He's not, he, you can't argue he's the best Red Sox player ever. There's an argument for Larry Bird to be the best Celtic ever. It's really him or Bill Russell at this point. Um, so I think that you're talking about icons of the city. I think people, I mean, he and David Ortiz both do or will have a statue in Boston. So there's no, there's no debate there in terms of who, you know, if either one of them is an icon or not, they are. But in terms of being the focal point of delivering championships to the city of Boston, it, he's neck and neck with David Ortiz. But in terms of affecting the game more and affecting legacy more, 
I think Larry Bird does have the edge there because you're talking about a game like basketball where fewer guys on the court leads to more impact. 12-time All-Star, 10-time All-NBA. I mean, he only played 11 full seasons. <laughs> and he was, or yeah, like, a 12, I'm sorry, 12 full seasons. And he was a, a, an All-Star in every one of those. It, it's just a remarkable legacy to left for the Celtics. And delivering all those championships and great memories, Bobby did those too, for sure. But there were other guys to remember during that run. In terms of the Celtics run, yeah, there were other guys to remember. There was a big three, Mikhail, Parrish, Tony Archibald, Dennis Johnson, all those guys, Danny Ainge. But it all led back to Larry Bird. And I think if you're talking about icons, I think Bird's got to be the guy. Uh, gentlemen, just a, a, a master class all around of arguing your, your points here. Obviously, two legends, two icons all around. But, uh, yeah, one has to win. You guys, you know, it's a toss-up for 95% of this. I, I, I guess I'll go with Jake because I do think that the comparison of you know, Bird having the argument of being the best player in franchise history does hold a lot of weight. Um, but again, Dave, you know, I that was an you know, excellent job. Also, the clutchness. Dave Ortiz is one of the most clutch performers in just like sports history, let alone Red Sox history and baseball history. Um, so yeah, this is really tough. But I think I'm going to give the slight that 51% to 49% edge to to Jake and Larry Bird here. Great, yeah. great, great battle around though. Great I gotta battle. say, I'm really surprised that you chose Larry Bird. <laughs> I, I mean, was, I was bracing for defeat there. So I think, I think that was a, a really good point you brought up. But for me personally, like you said, because we didn't get to watch Bird like that, like obviously Ortiz holds a special place. But I gotta give the OG his, his, uh, his flowers too. Wait, wait until me and David Ortiz have a beer later, and I tell him. All about it. <laughs> well, that's what you're doing right after this, right? I know. Yeah. Rafe Lafred stuffed the ballot box for Larry Bird, so that's probably what had something to do with it. Um, that's our grab. Our, our uh, I'm sorry, debate club. Rather, uh, we still have plenty of questions to go through uh, in a later episode, and I'm sure there'll be more that I uh, or we will devise in the future. But um, that does it for uh, for this week's episode. Uh, you can follow us at CSL Podcast on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer to call it. And we'll talk to you guys uh, next week.